The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Howdy, partners, and welcome back to The Short Game. I'm your sheriff, Nate Heininger, and I'm joined today with two of my favorite deputies. I'm actually the farmer's daughter, Laura. (laughs) Reformed bandit, Shane. And today, we're talking about a game called Card Cowboy. And we're only going to keep these accents going for just a little bit while longer, at least me personally. I don't know about you, I'm... (laughs) I don't have no accent. <laughs> I reckon it might come up a few times during the story. <laughs> I suppose it may be hard to go in and out, but I'm going to try. Uh, <laughs> we've got a uh, a delightful little game to talk about today um, called Card Cowboy. This is a game that was developed for a game jam called Crimp jam that i could not find any information about um but shane you are the one who found this game and recommended that we play it or at least suggested that we play it so uh, how did you go about finding this game well it all (laughs) goes back to when i was just a boy uh and i got on tiktok uh and so yeah i i have um a lot of I spend a lot of time on on TikTok these days, just kind of swiping through like random indie game junk, and <laughs> basically this one piqued my interest uh, because of my love of uh, card based roguelikes, which this pretends to be. Um, <laughs> so that it's got a smattering of procedural generation. So it has that yes. that right there. Like R- Shane pitched this as a cowboy based car, like deck building roguelike. And I was like, oh, I, like how, <laughs> how has this never, I remember. <laughs> so I saw that's exactly it. What, 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 I, what happened was I saw like some random clips of it. And I was like, man, that looks like a, a card based uh roguelike with a sense of humor uh that's that seems kind of up my alley you know how much i love uh deck building and <laughs> that's not what this game is at all no not at all and it, 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 to you guys under it. those false pretenses and uh i'm so glad we played it even though i was way off base because what it is is very different yeah so much so shane that it actually impacted my initial um enjoyment of this game because i i don't know why i just in my head i hear roguelike and i think something like you know it's good there's going to be a challenge to it and so when the game starts i was like legitimately trying to like like oh there's a health bar and i've got these cards and i thought like oh there must be like there's some optimization here i'm gonna have to really be thoughtful about my card selection I want to win. It's really tough because you start off with only like four hit points. And I mean, everything else in this game is represented by cards like um, horse, lasso, (laughs) lasso, whiskey. I think you you start every game with those three cards, horse, lasso and whiskey. Classic. And, uh, you know, if you're lucky, you might upgrade to things like gun or (laughs) man (laughs) <laughs> uh, so i i was initially like i don't think i like this game because i was trying to um play it as a serious game and i it, it impacted me so much that like i i finished the first game because it only took like 20 minutes i was like that was kind of dumb and then i started again <laughs> and i played it for a second time and i thought I think I loved this game. I just didn't know what I was doing at first. It's it's sort I of do a, remember you came back on the on the chat and we're like, I beat this in the first run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, I is this what this is supposed to be? Like I could not tell. I played it again and I realized, all right, this is just a comedy game. It's just it's a, a goof em up. 
you know, the whole thing is to make you laugh. It's cowboy mad libs. But um, Shane, I am I am glad that we we played it, even if it was a confusing experience at first. Um, when else could you offer a farmer's son a ride on a dead horse and then you marry him? <laughs> uh, right. Uh, it's you get a I, wedding I, back. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess we should set up what this game actually is a little bit more um i i'll take sure, a crack at it and then yeah. you can you two can fill in the blank so this is a gru- this is a <laughs> this is a grueling um deck building roguelike uh, that will really test your metal and your skills um you play as a cowboy who uh <laughs> his parents and his dog were were killed by some sort of you know evil cowboy and you've said he wooed your mom killed your dad and kicked your dog yeah (laughs) well yeah and now you vowed vengeance and um you you start off on your quest with like uh shane said you've got three cards you've got a nice little layout in at the bottom of the screen with your cards and your health uh you start out with classic cowboy cards and you're placed on a map that actually reminded me a lot of um, oh, the spooky deck building game we played earlier in the year that everyone loves. Um, magic the in- Gathering. Inscription. Yes. <laughs> Not magic. There you go. Uh, inscription where you, you have sort of like a board game style layout in front of you with different paths and different things that you can click on. And your delightful little cowboy... Uh, we'll move to that spot and you enter into a random encounter. And in those random encounters, it's a bunch of classic cowboy situations. Like you walk into a bar and you need to prove how strong you are. And you click one of your cards, drag it into the little icon, and it plays out a scene where using whatever card you place. And you can put whatever card you want as long as it's in your deck. And however the card, however the scene goes, it might be something that goes well for you and you get more cards. It might go poorly where you lose cards or even lose health. And that's the game as you travel through these different, uh, these little randomized instances where uh, ultimately, I think the whole point is to try to play the most ridiculous card and get the most ridiculous outcomes and laugh and hopefully kill the uh kill the the bad guy at the end of the game may i give a shout out to the taxonomy of these cards the suits are horses people money lassos whiskey and calendar (laughs) yeah it's Uh, interesting where it so those those i think those are all events yeah Uh, yeah that would make more sense i enjoyed my notes just saying calendar question yeah (laughs) sometimes the game knows specifically what you have played and the reaction will be specifically like you you play your lasso and it'll say like you lasso the the thing but sometimes it doesn't really know it just goes off the taxonomy as you as you've outlined so it just will be completely insane where you you you're playing like a baby card and now all of a sudden your baby is robbing a bank or whatever or or winning poker chips for you. I think there was a bar fight and or a poker like I walked into a saloon and was challenged to cheating at cards. It's this repeated thing. And I put down the dead horse card and somehow during the events, I managed to turn it into a prize stallion. So the dead horse I'd been dragging behind me for like 10 turns suddenly was up and had a gold medal around its neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a card upgrade system. And it's, I think every card, there's a, there's a base level. There's a, there's like a couple of downgrades and then there's one upgrade. And then if you go past that, it just like, you'll get multiple of the same card. And so like the horse card, can downgrade into a baby horse or a dead horse or and either of those can upgrade into a normal horse um and i think there's that for everything there's like a bandit that could be a reformed bandit or a dead bandit um it's i don't know that's ultimately the game is putting in these cards and like yep seeing the the silly outcomes um what else yeah. what 
the I mean that's basically it. The uh it's all played out on a randomly generated board that you can kind of move around in any or you can backtrack. It's got that kind of roguelike looking tree structure. So at first I thought, hmm, well this is I'm not gonna be able to backtrack here. No, you can just go back across the map any which way you like. Uh, as long as you're, you know, eventually ending up at the uh, at the destination, uh, you're going to start seeing a lot of the events repeat. But that's part of the fun because this is very much a game of, uh, you know, as you said, Mad Libs, uh, trying to figure out what combinations will give you the weirdest results. I think my an example is uh, there's a time where you'll sit down by a uh, a lake and uh, there's a rattlesnake. And I tried a few different things. I saw that one a few times. Uh, you know, so most of them gave you pretty reasonable things. Like, you know, you you uh, try and scare it off with your gun. You scare it off. Or, you know, you offer it a glass of whiskey and it bites you or something like that. Uh, but if you, uh, if you use the card dysentery, uh, you explain to the snake how uh, sick and how sick you are and how uh, gross your dysentery is. And it is, uh, it is, it 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 hisses back, uh, ugh, disgusting, <laughs> and <laughs> talks to you about how nasty you are before leaving you alone. And uh, you know, so it's that kind of interaction that, uh, and this, by the way, would not uh, have really landed for me as well if it weren't fully voice acted. the The mm-hmm. version I think of this game to check out. Uh, is the version on Steam because this was this was a game jam game as you mentioned, Nate. Um, it is available pay what you want on uh, on itch.io. I really suggest that people check out the three dollar version on um, on Steam because the voice acting and the way that they put it together um, with the kind of cut and paste elements. Uh, in the card names uh, is so funny. Nate, I know you have some clips of it. Could you play I some do. of those? Yes, and we don't do this often on this show, but I thought, like, this is what ultimately brings this game together for me mm-hmm. as well. I, I think if it wasn't for the voice acting, um, we, like, I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much. And I think some of this goofiness is very intentional. So I'm going to play, uh, There, there's a, there's a card or a, an event that you'll get where... Uh, a an old cowboy is giving away his stuff and he's going off to ride into the West and it'll be a random selection of items. And I selected one and you'll hear it in the clip. So here we go. They hand you their cute gun reluctantly. Do me a favor and keep this in your holster, kid. I don't want anybody else dying because of this here cute gun. He sighs deeply as he steps aboard the train. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's... I when I worked at Crooked Moon, I had to record all of the placeholder audio for every single one of the the many 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 games we did because we every game had voiceover because it was for pre readers, and the amount of times like someone suddenly like would send me like DMs and be like, please check out this uh, link, and I would click on it, it would just be going A B C, <laughs> like or just saying every color because you have to say them the exact same way. So yeah. cute gun is definitely cute that like gun. I have to stick this in a sentence. That, um, love I it. imagine that this was something that served two purposes for them because again, it's a game jam game. Now they did add some stuff to release it to Steam, but it's still like low budget. I think most budget. of the voiceover was added. Yeah, Steam. yeah, and it's you assume low budget, small team, so they don't have the time or the money to do a full voice acting for every potential combo. So this solves for that. And also the game is stupid and funny. It is really stupid and funny how they just like clearly copy paste these pre-recorded item names into the rest of the story. So it makes it it better. It makes it better. It's so funny. Um, I've got a couple more. There was uh, we talked about earlier where like, you know, it knows you're playing a horse but it doesn't really care what type of horse you're playing, so the event won't make a lot of sense, but it's still funny. So here you go. A criminal is about to be hung by the sheriff. They look kind of sad about the whole thing. You have a front row seat. You grab your... <laughs> you ride your dead horse through the gallows and rescue the criminal while getting shot at. <laughs> so in that instance, I got negative one health and a bandit card. <laughs> 
And then I've got one more. Um, again, the game knows you're playing a people card, but it doesn't know what kind of person it is. As soon as you saunter in, the place immediately goes silent. The bartender looks you square in the eyes. We don't just let anyone in here. You go to prove your grit and reach for your... They deny you entry, but let your friend come in. You watch from outside while everyone drinks and dances with your baby. Ouch. So it's got that nice jaunty you know cowboy saloon piano music going in the background and you ultimately take one point of damage because you had to watch through the window as a saloon full of people dance and drink the night away with your baby and a run of this game is going to take you i would say in in the neighborhood of about 20 minutes but uh if you were like skipping quickly through it not listening to the narration you you could get through in like maybe even five to ten but the replayability is reasonably high all in all i would not say that this game is like infinitely replayable uh the randomness that you know is associated with this kind of card based randomly generated map kind of gameplay uh, usually that is that is to let you really delve deeply into the rich mechanics. Uh, for this game, it's it's mostly just about having a chance to try a, a few more dumb things and, and out of pure curiosity. So I, I I played through this game about three times, and uh, I probably won't go back to it, but. Um, <laughs> That was a perfect a perfect three dollars well spent. Yeah, it was. Um, well, I mean, first of all, it it does some things at the end that give you an idea to to the the potential of it as far as randomness goes. Um, I played four times, and every time I saw around seventeen to twenty different cards. Um, but according to the end page, there's fifty two different cards. So there's definitely a lot of combos to unlock there if you want. Um, unfortunately there is no sort of UI that tells you what cards you have or haven't seen in your time there. Uh, it there just... is. Wait, where did you see? Yeah. It? If you click in the little, uh, little card deck icon in the top left of the screen, that only uh, shows you for that run though. Not mm-hmm. like if you combine all of your runs, I want to know if I've seen all of the cards. Are you sure about that partner? Well, partner, I was pretty sure, sure but now that you, uh, now that you're asking, I'm not, I'm not completely sure neither, partner. Now, don't um, make me reach for my cute gun and shoot <laughs> you dead. Ow! <laughs> I can't believe you've killed me with that cute gun. We really cute just did gun. this episode so we could. Uh, th- there's a lot of guns. There's cute gun. There's double guns. There's gold gun. Yeah. Uh, there's just gun. Any you know, any good cowboy uh, event has a lot of different guns. This game has fifty cards in it or, or more. Fifty, yeah. yeah. I think it's fifty-two. Yeah, and there's uh, there's I would it's say at least deck. like thirty or forty different events, and a, a ton of the events will give you like you unique um, results and and narration from yeah, there, even some of the most bizarre combinations. I really like that about it. There's an event that um, you can combine cards as well. And I combined, uh, it's like a fortune teller, which only kind of makes sense, but it makes sense for, for cowboy sense. Um, it's a fortune teller and you can combine two cards and I combined uh, poisoned whiskey and my horse, because uh, I didn't understand the mechanic yet, and mm-hmm. all it did was kill my horse. Oh no! <laughs> um, but uh, there was a good one where uh, you can you can confess to a priest, and I confessed about my wedding, and. Uh, the card that I got back from that was nasty party. <laughs> oh, so there's, 
yeah, there's a lot of really silly cards and a lot of like, I, I think I later took that nasty party and used it to, um, there's a shooting competition and they're like, what do you do to, um, to prove your, your, you know, effectiveness at this shooting competition. And so I told them about the nasty party and, uh, they weren't impressed. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. It didn't Should have talked about dysentery instead. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I think we've said all there is to say. Y'all want to <laughs> yes. go on to. So we kind of knew when we were doing this episode that um, there's probably not a lot for us to talk about. This might be one of the shortest episodes we ever have as far That's as what like, we're here for as far as the game goes. But, you know, I really thought like this is exactly what this show is for. This is a silly fun little experience that was put together by you know um, a, a group of people just to make you laugh and to have a little bit of fun and it's three dollars i mean you could do a lot worse with three dollars i'd also throw out too like i did not do this yet but i bet this would be a lot of fun with kids um where they get to pick whatever card goes in so we've been talking about that a lot more recently games that would be fun with kids and i think this one would would work there there's a, some light adult themes at times but nothing that goes above and beyond what you'd see in in any other sort of um you know, like pixar movie or whatever so uh i i think it it's worth playing and it's fun it made me laugh and i did four runs in like an evening and had had a good time with it so uh yeah i think we all recommend you go and check this game out uh, I do. Uh, if you want to laugh, uh, and have like <laughs> only a small amount of time that you need to waste, this is it. <laughs> yeah, man, I would have played the heck out of this on a phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if they have any plans for like expansion because I I think they have a funny recipe here. You know, I haven't really played. It made me think of like apples to apples or, you know, cards against humanity, those sorts of board games where the whole point is to play a card and make you laugh. And I haven't really seen that in very many video games, you know, so I felt like they stumbled on a really good or not stumbled, maybe very intentionally, but they landed on a fun mechanic for humor in a in a way that I haven't seen before. So I think they could really expand this or do it again with a different, maybe that'd be the better way to do it. Like go to a different genre and do like something different than Cowboys. Um, but I thought it was pretty funny and I could see them doing more. Or I hope they do more of these things. I mean, this could scale to any, like I could think about a space, a fantasy, like anything. Like Give me a basic genres. mafia thing, you know, oh, anything, yeah. you know, all of this ripe for Studio Fifty Four, the card game. <laughs> <laughs> Except you can't call it Studio Fifty Four, so you call it like Dance Hall Ninety Ninety Three. Studio Fifty Two, <laughs> Fifty Two cards. Hey, it writes itself. Yeah. I uh, I noticed that a couple of the people who worked on the game were from Alchemy Labs. I don't know if y'all know that group, but that's uh, the people that made Job Simulator. And, uh, nice. I, I feel like there's some DNA, um, maybe in, in common there. Uh, I know they have, you know, primarily they put out kind of very humorous VR experiences and there's a, there's yeah. a few good ones there. So that makes uh, sense. Yeah. This is a, this is a, there's definitely some shared, uh, sense of humor. Um, yeah. so if that's all we got to say about this game and I mean, uh, you should check it out listeners at home uh i i like i'd like to hear what listeners think uh by the way about us doing some of them of these really smaller experiences um things that do take like 20 30 minutes a lot more of this stuff exists i think because maybe it um it draws uh a lot of online attention we tend to gravitate towards slightly larger indie games uh but hey we're the short game so you know Tell us what you think about this kind of coverage. And uh, I'd love to go on to one of my favorite parts of the show. Uh, what's making us happy this week? 
I will start by asking Nate, hey, Nate, what's uh, what's taking a six gun to your sadness this week? <laughs> <laughs> I think that accent is going to take a six gun to Nate's sadness right there. Well, partner, I'm so glad you asked. Um, I was feeling real sad over here, and now I... Now my mood's a-lifting. Um, I've been playing... This is maybe the opposite of a small indie uh, game. I have been playing the new game Marvel Snap. Ooh. Like, like camera snap? No, I thought that first as well. When I heard about Marvel Snap, I thought... Finally, the Pokemon Snap genre is evolving. I <laughs> it. And yeah, more, more of a Thanos kind of Snap, right? Yeah, yeah. So it turns out Snap, you know, has a very specific meaning within uh, the Marvel world as well, although it's not super related to the game. Oh, the, the Snap. The, the Snap, yeah. Oh, okay. The, so the Thanos snap. I was a little disappointed that it wasn't Pokemon Snap, but for Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um and which I still am surprised that the the Pokemon Snap like genre, like we don't get more Snap likes, you know. Um, but anyway, well, we did so, cover Bug Snacks, which is about as close as we get. That's I fair. Don't know. Yeah. Um, so I'm not normally really into, you know, like these like branded uh, major releases on iPhone or whatever. But this happened to line up with one of my favorite genres, which is a deck building uh you know not a roguelike but a deck building game a, a collectible card game shane is a fan of one i can't remember the name of it what is that yeah, shane that's uh yugioh yugioh yes. that's right um, Yu-Gi-Oh collector. but i'm not as big of a i you know i don't have like a lifetime of enjoyment of these games like shane does but i absolutely love this style of game i've been into hearthstone for a long time i loved magic the gathering all the little sub ones i've played a ton of them and so What's i thought that I ha- sorry what was that one you just mentioned i've never heard of it um gathering magic that's okay that's yeah. cool I'll, I'll google yeah. it check it out um it's really a low barrier to entry cheap game fun to play <laughs> um and so everyone kept saying marvel snap like it's innovative because it's really really short which is a is true uh, one of the difficult things about collectible card games is like besides the fact that you got to find someone to play with if there's not a good online element a lot of the matches can be long i particularly like that usually but it is a barrier to when you can play and how long you might play because an individual match can be a long time even hearthstone which started very quick has become so dense that a single match can take a long time mm-hmm. so marvel snap simplifies simplifies everything and adds a new mechanic that I think is pretty interesting. So first of all, it's only a 12 card deck. So that right there, you're yeah, that's pretty cool. You're you're significantly trimming everything down to with a 12 card deck and there are six turns. That's it. Six turns. Do you run multiples of cards or or is it nope, single one of e- yep. single. And so first of all, just the framework. 12 card deck, six rounds that is inherently going to be simpler. Um, It uses the Hearthstone style thing where you start with one energy on round Mm -hmm. one. You can play one cost cards, two energy on round two, three energy round three, so on and so forth. You can play as many cards as you want as long as you have energy to spend them. But for the most part, you're playing like a one energy card on round one, a two energy card on round two, three, and so on. So it's six rounds. You're usually playing six cards, Games can go five minutes, but the strategic element of it that is really compelling is that most, if not all collectible card games, you're just sort of playing on a, on a blank space in front of you. That's representing like the play area and you're playing your cards and there may be some left, right element to it, but it's just, everyone's playing out onto the same space. In this game, there are three locations and your goal is to win two of three locations. Yep. And it comes down to, you know, you play your your uh, Colossus card, which is a two cost three power um, card. And they play their Hulk, which is a six cost 12 or five cost nine power, something like that. 
Uh, if the game ends, they've won that location because they had more mm-hmm. attack power on it. Um, and then each location also has a random element. Sometimes it will be like cards that cost three cannot be played here. No card can be played after round three, you know, and they add these random elements that add sort of like a crunch to the board. And th- it's an interesting metagame of a lot of cards react to the cards that your opponent plays. If you play them in the same area as them. So you're not just trying to figure out where you're going to play. You're also trying to predict where your opponent is going to play and sort of bounce off of that. And there's always been that element of like, I'm trying to foresee what my opponent is going to play, but because the deck is so limited and there's only three locations to play and there's only so much energy, you actually can kind of reasonably predict like what card your opponent is going to play. And you can try to game out where they're going to play it. And it's, it's really interesting. I think you have so much more information than other games and it happens so fast. I really, really enjoy it. It seems really cool. I, I like, um, I, one of the things I really like about the game as I've seen it discussed online is, um, so it, because it is very mobile native and you, you know, you, you've got these three zones with like four slots on each side in, in each zone. Um, the overall battlefield, uh, you know, at the end of the game, you know, is going to have a pretty limited number of uh, of cards on it, and it's going to be uh, pretty easy. It seems like it's pretty easy to, at a glance, tell what's going on on in the game, which is often really annoying for for this kind of card game. Yeah, and I, I love the the random uh, zones idea uh, for a digital card game because it adds a uh, a little bit of a random element to every game uh, even if even if the meta game uh, has landed on like certain decks being really dominant or certain cards being really dominant and you're gonna see them over and over again uh, well maybe they can still shake it up by having random zones that make yeah. different things more or less viable and they do things like that where they switch up and they'll say like all right this zone is is new and is running for the next three days as a common zone. So, um, you know, there was one of those was, uh, when this location is revealed, everyone gets five energy in that round. So you wanted to be ready for that. So, you know, at least I was making sure my deck leaned expensive cards because normally you wouldn't get to play those until round five and six, but Mm -hmm. there's, a very high possibility that on like round one, two or three, you're suddenly going to find yourself with six energy, seven energy, and you're going to want to use all of that. Um, I don't know. It's been interesting. I think that there is some, there is some annoyance with, I mean, this game is pure, like we're going to blow your face up with bright, shiny lights and interest and, and little buttons to click on and currencies and micro currencies and micro micro currencies and season passes and all that. And it yep. was really in your face and it actually impacted my ability to truly understand what mattered in this game. Uh, it took me quite a lot of runs to like understand the, like the, the, the UI and the, and the menus and like why any of this matters, which the reality is most of it doesn't, you know, they, they, they're, it's Marvel. So they have an infinite catalog of like potential cosmetics and things like that, that some people care about. So that is all over it. But if you just want to play the game, um, you don't have to pay for anything. It's not pay to win. It's pay to have like, I want the pixel variant of, spider-man as my card back or whatever which might be cool if you know if you like that um but it took me a little while to get over that to understand it but i'll say that is balanced with incredibly high production of the actual game board like what you were saying uh shane there's a ton of nice little touches that really really help you understand what's going on lots of little indicators that explain why someone's leading in a, in a certain zone. Like it's the production value is incredible. Um, and yeah, it can all be done in portrait mode on your iPhone, which is nice at minimum. Most card games require landscape mode and like full two hand full, like constant, um, engagement. This, you can play like a little passively if you want. So 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I like I said, I don't play a lot of these sorts of like major, you know, loaded with pay pay for cosmetic situations, but I've been enjoying it. And I like Marvel, you know, so there are worse things. Mm-hmm. TLDR, there are worse things. Nate's review going on the back of the box. Yep, there are worse things. Mm-hmm. I, this is very tempting to me uh, because I love like this kind of game. Uh, I I don't know if I have the room in my life for another one of these. I have a, a like a literal mountain of magic stuff that I haven't even like literal boxes of it that I haven't opened to play with yet. Uh, so, yeah. But I mean, the fact that it would be a phone game, that's kind of appealing because it's, you know, sure, I need another way to waste time on my phone. Uh, I actually do not. I do not need more time ways to waste time on my phone. But uh, I don't know. It, it, it looks really polished and really appealing. And I, I would I would really enjoy I've seen some screenshots that involve like some very obscure deep cut Marvel characters. And that's that is kind of cotton candy yeah. for me. So well, they do they do some fun things too, where like the cards are representative of like their abilities are representative of the character and some really clever ones like Jessica Jones, you play on a location and if you don't play a card on that same location, the next turn, her attack power doubles. And that's because Jessica Jones just wants to be left alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's she pretty does. clever. You know, it's, don't we all? Jessica um, Jones just wants a babysitter. <laughs> yeah. That's all she really wants. She just, yeah, just leave Jessica Jones alone. And like, I don't know. I thought that was pretty clever, you know, and they, and they, they expand that all of the, all of the characters, if they have an ability, which most do, it's going to be some sort of character representation. Yeah, that's a big part of my appreciation of uh, of card games is how you can represent these kind of story elements mechanically. That's always my favorite. So, uh, Laura, what's making? Well, hang on, Laura. Oh, what's? Uh, I can't come up with a good one, Laura. What's filling your whiskey cup this evening? Thank you, friend. You saved me. <laughs> well, I unfortunately has nothing to do with whiskey, but I will say that um, I went out into the world on Saturday to uh, Fort Greene's Great Pupkin Halloween Dog Costume Contest. <laughs> um, I haven't been to anything with that many people since COVID started, I think. But um, so first of all, it was outside, but it was crowded and it was like, tons of people and then even the bystanders had dogs so like the dog costume contest i think was capped at 100 entrants or something but they were just dogs and costumes everywhere um people go so hard for this like the first place was a princess and the pea um where they did a full stack of mattresses and the dog was a little princess costume went top and the owner painted their face green and stuck through a hole in the mattress so that um, you could see the like pee on the bottom. And the dog, the, the, the joke is that the dog hated being on the bed. So the dog immediately would try to jump off the bed and the audience would cheer every time the dog got off the bed. Um, <laughs> second place, but first place in our hearts was Ikea stool, which was a three legged dog. Just Ikea stool. Yep. And, and third Aww. place, turned a red wagon into like a full steam locomotive with three small bulldogs on it. One of them is a conductor with (laughs) with like the little fake legs. And it was holding like in its little fake hand was holding tickets. (laughs) I took a bunch of pictures. Um, I'll post them in the show notes. Um, I posted it for you too in the discord, but um, my God, just some outlandishly, ice cream cone i like cheered my butt off when i saw rigatoni which was just a dog in a tube (laughs) (laughs) like it went after like someone who had done a full like where the wild things are costume where the two people dressed up as the monsters and the dog was max and like they had done a full body costume and then the next one was just rigatoni and out comes a dog with just like a little cardboard noodle around him and i was like sometimes you're rigatoni i love rigatoni Anyway, it was super oh. fun. Um, other than that, uh, in spirit of Laura recommends um, things that no one can watch anywhere unless they search the bowels of YouTube and Reddit. 
Um, I've been watching a lot of the Belgian mole because I liked the Netflix mole, but I am a pure Noho fan. And I was like, these people aren't like they cast hot people and that's not interesting. No, I don't know what you're talking about. That sounds mighty interesting to me. <laughs> hot not people deceiving I, themselves. I, I've spent last two years out here in this here uh, desert. And you're just mighty warm. Yeah. <laughs> um I love the original mole, which is um, a TV. It's a reality TV show that no one remembers except me and people who are in the Netherlands and Belgium, where it's the most popular TV show in existence. Um, it's a show where uh, everyone comes and joins the contest, and but one person is a traitor, and you get eliminated by how well you can, you know, guess the traitor. So you take a quiz into the, the week, and if you can't answer the questions, you get sent home. Um, challenges on the Belgian mole include, um, the first one, they buried everybody alive in coffins <laughs> and the person who was playing the mole based on their dossiers and like how much they thought you were intelligence, put them in, um, increasing amounts of money. So like they put the people he thought were the smartest and someone who would only raise a hundred bucks if they got out and they had one puzzle to solve and the dumb people he thought would be dumbest. Um, I'm going to say he, cause again, if you want to watch this, um, the mole could be anybody, but the, the smartest person he, or the, the dumbest people he put in something that had sold like five sequential puzzles inside of a coffin. <laughs> I was like, this is hilarious. <laughs> like, well done everybody. Um, there was a Lucha Libre challenge where two people went off for a day and had to like learn a series of five moves. And then the other people had to identify what moves they were doing. Um, <sighs> There, and there was also just a quiz where two people were asked a series of trivia questions and they had three shot glasses in front of them and the wrong answers were tequila and the right answer was water. And at the end, they had to take a breathalyzer test. <laughs> and if they <laughs> like, and then they had to wait 15 minutes, to take a breathalyzer test. And if they passed it, they got the money. <laughs> That's like, oh, man. this is great. I love that. Um, like, cause it was Mexico. And I was like, yeah, tequila, lucha libre. And, uh, graves western i don't know um super fun you should find them on the internet everybody it's not that hard to do you know god i love the internet i also love the internet you know what else you can find on the internet what is uh netflix Yes, and, if you want to, uh, if you want to watch things that are easy to access, please. No, no, no. That was my transition to my favorite yeah, thing. Oh, I thought you were just like you could just watch Netflix. No, I'm not like I could just watch Netflix. <laughs> but you can, and there's awesome stuff on it, like like uh, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. This is a. Uh, for me, this has been the highlight of this year's uh, kind of spooky watching uh, season. I always enjoy doing a little bit of horror during uh, the month of October. Um, I have seen some really great horror films. A, a big shout out to Barbarian, but this is what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, I have a huge soft spot for anthology horror, especially when they want to do uh, when it's anthology horror uh in the the uh, Twilight Zone style, by which I mean introduced by a weird little guy. Yay! Um, my favorite and, weird little guy. Yeah. He is wonderful. <laughs> he really is. Guillermo del Toro is a icon. Uh, he's a really a high horror icon, but you know, broader as well. He he does. He's multi talented. Um, but he he put together this series of uh, I want to say eight. Yeah, eight episodes eight little short horror films um two of them are um based on stories that he has written um but all of them are just honestly the 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 level of quality here is really high if you watched a few different anthology horror series in the past um it's it's pretty common that they have some ups and downs this one is almost all hits um, I haven't actually seen every episode of this yet. I've uh, I've still got the last two um, in the can uh, to get back to. But there are some really, really wonderful um, horror shorts here. I won't give too many spoilers, but I'll, I'll give a few 
um, of what I think are the highlights and point you towards some of the episodes that I'm, I'm a big fan of. Uh, the first one uh, is one of the ones based on a Guillermo del Toro short story. It's called Lot 36, and it has an absolutely excellent cast. It's basically storage wars, but horror. I, uh, you know, the main character is uh, buying abandoned storage units, and there's actually a lot of horror potential for that idea. Um, and like I mentioned, the the cast is amazing. The uh, uh, the main character is played by Timothy Blake Nelson, um, who is one of the guys from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, and just really fantastic. Um, my favorite episode, though, is one called The Outside, and it's sort of a more psychological thriller style episode. It happens to be based on a um, uh, webcomic that I had read um, that, I mean, it actually is, is has a weird uh, tie back to the short game in a very roundabout way, which is that uh, the, the webcomic is by Emily Carroll, who did illustration for gone home um so you know and that's the basically the very first game we covered on this show those many years ago Uh, but her um her horror comic the outside uh i you know i i I wouldn't necessarily uh i won't spoil it's very hard to talk about without spoiling but it's it's kind of about uh uh taxidermy and women's beauty products um (laughs) and uh the the episode stars uh, Kate uh, Misucci or Mikuchi, I don't know how you say her name. I'm probably saying it wrong, uh, but that's one of the uh, women who was one half of Garfunkel and Oates, um, and she's just very, very funny. Um, as she she did the voice of Sadie Miller on Steven Universe, which is a, a show I've enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, so she's she is great, and she's really fantastic as she's slowly losing her grip on reality in this, which is. Uh, just a, a delight to watch. Um, and that one has Martin Starr and Dan Stevens being weird. My favorite thing. I love Dan Stevens. I also just rewatched all of Steven Universe with our daughter. So like oh. Sadie is uh, top of mind right now for mm. me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it is. a That's a fantastic episode. Just because like my favorite horror leans like drastically into the weird and and that one does there's a strong um like hp lovecraft um bent in this there are uh two of these that are based on hp lovecraft stories maybe the the one that i really liked here was based on one of lovecraft's probably less popular stories pickman's model um which is not a story i'm totally wild about uh, but what I really enjoyed uh, in this one is it stars Crispin Glover as Pikmin, um, who just he's doing the the weirdest voice you will have ever heard hear him do. And he's a guy who can go kind of weird. Um, so, yeah, this is this is definitely worth checking out. I'm really looking forward to the last couple of these. Uh, not every single one of these is a hit. I, I, I would say like the second and maybe the sixth episodes were a little on the weak side, but that's the best thing about anthology horror is like, you know, there's something to like in every one of these. And some of these are just pure genius. Um, I've heard the murmuring is next level. Um, And gore free as well. um, Like murmuring, I've heard the murmuring is, is excellent and gore free. So if you are like, I'm interested, Mm -hmm. but I can't do gore. Like that's for you. Yeah, uh, so I have watched this as well, though I'm not I've not seen as many as Shane and um, I echo this anime. And I'm not even a, I'm not really a big horror fan, um, but I do like this style of horror, sort of campy, done quickly. You know, like I I really love these, you know, the sort CGI. of CGI. Yeah, the horror sort of reveals itself. It's dealt with, and then the episode's done, and it it's especially some of these episodes. It's like the horror part isn't even it's only a few minutes it's but um guillermo guillermo del toro's fingerprint is all over it as far as monster designs and uh yeah and there's also this like i don't think it goes too far to be distracting but there is kind of like a social commentary thing that's running through that i was not expecting about um 
you know, what, why would people do the things they do um, in horrible situations? It's like, well, maybe, maybe it's because of money. A lot of times, maybe money, maybe money will make people do uh, really dumb things. And that's not across all of the episodes, but it's across several of them. And I thought that was interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I will say, Shane, I, the first episode with Timothy Blake Nelson, who I really enjoy. Oh, brother, War out. That was one of my favorite movies. I I thought he was really bad in that episode. <laughs> I, I it was it was it was like I don't normally ever you know I don't like to to knock someone, but it was like incredibly distracting. I thought of how bad how bad he was, but it it didn't you know the 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 episode was interesting. And there's what did a you think that, of uh, the autopsy that that's I didn't my mention favorite that one. one. Yeah, yeah, that one that one the show was really cooking by the time we got to that, and it yeah. that episode concludes with uh, one of the weirdest conversations. Yeah, um, that I've ever seen in film, yeah. and uh, it is it is it's I, I won't say anything about that one because it is just yeah. uh, it is it's original and wild. Yeah, I that's my favorite one, and it's not even close. Um, I'll say to the second one, I learned a lot about myself. Um, so the I've always known I, I don't have a lot of the like I don't have any of the sort of um, fears that are commonplace. I'm not really afraid of heights. I'm not really afraid of spiders, snakes, anything like that. But I've always known a little bit about myself that I'm like kind of claustrophobic. But that's a really easy one to avoid, you know? And I mean, like, claustrophobic and, like, I don't want to go down in, like, a sewer or be buried alive, you know? But it doesn't, like, trigger in a closet or anything like that. It's only, like, extreme circumstances of being claustrophobic. Like, cave diving sounds like the worst thing that anyone could ever do. And uh, episode two is all underground, crawling through horrible tunnels, and I left that episode being like, I don't ever want to watch a horror thing again. It's the only time I've ever felt something from a horror show where I was like legitimately feeling those like, like stressed watching this. So as a credit to them, even though the episode was all right, like their depiction of like the claustrophobia like literally it got me and I was like, yeah. I like I need to turn this off. <laughs> That's what's so funny about horror is like people's response to it can be really um, like as unique as your own fear and yeah. and very it can be totally idiosyncratic. And, you know, that episode didn't really do that much for me. But the but the first one, Lot 36, really did. I, I think whoever you are and whatever um, it is that kind of makes your heart beat faster. Uh, there's going to be something in this series for you. Uh, one thing that made, uh, that I think will make a lot of people's heart beat faster is, uh, the introductions by Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> yeah. I have never yes. seen him looking so suave. I know. And it's in his, <laughs> is it in his awesome house? Well, no, it's a full, uh, no. it's a full on. It's in a kind of a black set. I wish, uh, I, it's, I wish it were, I think it's very much inspired by like his sensibilities. I have seen yes. uh, his house in Laura. You've told us about that um, that exhibit, art exhibit yeah. that had a lot of his mm-hmm. stuff in it. I would love to see that. It's very inspired by his yeah. his vibe. Uh, it's, but it's, it's I, him in a really good suit. Um, yeah, and, and opening up like hidden compartments in a in a giant um, cabinet. Essentially, it, cabinet it, if you're like if you love like little. You the know, room <laughs> little yeah that, that's exactly what it is laura i thought about the room it's like imagine if someone oh God, made yeah. made a physical like million dollar budget because it's you know guillermo del toro is like like a puzzle box you know and and he has like a little figurine that is like a representation of every episode and the opening is just him like pulling little drawers, pulling, opening little things like twisting little knobs and then pulling out a little figurine telling you about the story you're about to watch. And then he, he says who directs it, which is a nice touch. And then he sets it on the table and then it goes into the show and I mean, it's great. Yeah. I, 
I am so glad that he took his power from winning an Oscar and was like, I'm doing an anthology series with every single horror director that I admire, and they're yeah. all going to do one episode, and they're going to have, like, very, you know, special effects will be placed on top of real effects, and yeah. I'm going to do every single one with a cool little puzzle Look, box. Thing. Get to work on my insane puzzle box. Um, Yeah, and I, I really love his, like, he really tries to, you know, call out other people that are a part of these things. It's, you know, his name is all over it. Cause of course, but like, you know, he, he, I think he does a good job of at least trying to give credit, like spread the wealth of acknowledgement mm-hmm. for his, um, upcoming stop motion Pinocchio. Um, everyone was like, how cute he put, um, the pu- like the puppets got to walk the red carpet. And he said, the the people who made the puppet are artists, like they're production designers. Like this yeah. was the way to get their work out, and it's dumb to just have the voice actors. He was like, the puppets are the work. It, right. He's like, I had the puppets, and then the production designers who designed them got to stand behind them, so they got to walk the red puppet with a carpet. And I was like, yay! There's an adorable little video Molly shared this with me, where he's just standing on the red carpet and he's just playing with this little Pinocchio puppet, and he just has this giant grin on his face he looks like a little kid but he's also you know the the shape and (laughs) uh vibe of guillermo del toro it's 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 wild it's adorable i'm in the tank for this very nice i I am i am extremely i i can't wait for that pinocchio because like i don't know if you've heard the details on this that it's it's set in like 1930s fascist italy like where yeah, and I mean it's got the uh the like the Jim Henson company is going to be in there. He is once again uh continuing the ongoing employment of Ron Perlman. Mm-hmm. Uh yes. <laughs> I I can't wait to see like what happens in this. Like it's 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 just the poster, like the poster he, Pinocchio is opening some kind of massive door and confronting a winged sphinx like what what is <laughs> the blue fairy what is, is this is that the, how could it be i don't know man i, so I and especially after um like so close on the heels after disney's absolutely horrifying uh quote unquote live action pinocchio i don't know if you guys oh, i I, I like oh. tried to distance it from my existence. So Christoph Waltz on the red carpet um, was asked like, so how, how are you doing this? You don't normally do voice acting. And he said, just straight to the camera. He said, I didn't think there needed to be another Pinocchio in this world. And I told my people to ignore it. And then they said, it is Guillermo de Toro's Pinocchio. And, and I said, there should be another Pinocchio and Guillermo de Toro should direct <laughs> yes. it. And I will be in it. <laughs> and I was like, that's so how I feel about this one. <laughs> yeah again in the tank um i hope um just seems 2022 (laughs) highs and lows of pinocchio yeah it may be one of the things that has been turned into a movie the most times yeah i don't know i don't know what has been but that's got to be up there for sure well i think that's everything for us so um this was a half card cowboy and half, half monsters, half <laughs> monsters uh, episode. So um, thank you all for for being a part of it with us. Let us know what you like about this episode. You know, we've been trying different things, super short game like this or our broader topic episode like we did a um, couple weeks ago. Um, you know, we're just trying to figure out different things we can put on the feed. And so let us know what you like. Uh, you can let us know in a variety of different ways. You could consider joining our patreon uh patreon.com slash the short game uh patrons of any level get access to our private discord it's great we get a lot of our game recommendations from there um we have a just a nice time chatting with people uh in our community and um yeah it's kind of constantly going at this point which has been a ton of fun uh, we, I've got our, our disco Elysium subreddit or subreddit. Our disco Elysium channel is going, which has been nice for me. Cause I just only want to talk about that game. It's going to take but, us so long to, uh, all play that, but it'll I know be worth it when someday, we do a thousand someday. episodes about it. Yeah. Someday. So, uh, and also, uh, patrons at the $5 level get, um, hand kissed, stickers from uh from reagan himself who couldn't mm-hmm. be with us today uh he's too busy kissing the stickers one presumes yeah we we we, we keep him he's got a tight schedule 
And uh, you could also check out our website at theshortgame.net. We have a contact form there. You can also find our full back catalog, show notes, everything you might ever want from us is on there. Um, and you could find us on Twitter at underscore short game. You can find me wrestling snakes and, and varmints on, uh, on Twitter at Nate STL. And, uh, Shane, where can people find you? Uh, y'all can find me looking at the 30 different film adaptations of Pinocchio, <laughs> uh, according to Wikipedia. And you can find My me God. on Twitter at 8BitShane. That's liable to drive a man insane. Laura, how about yourself? You can also, for now, find me on Twitter at Laura J. Dash. Hey, if you're worried about uh, Twitter devolving you into even more of a hellscape, consider the Discord server. <laughs> We've got a, honestly, the Discord is lovely. The Discord really is, is lovely. So. We have a good so one. Uh, I'm on a few Discords. Ours is the best one. Yeah. If you're on our Patreon and you have not joined the Discord yet, we are a welcoming bunch and we would love to have you because it is a really nice place on the internet and we're not just uh, blowing smoke up our lovely, <laughs> lovely patrons. <laughs> the snakes are benign and the whiskey is warm. Come mm-hmm. on in. <laughs> All right. Uh, that I think will do it. Uh, we'll be back next week with something. Maybe we'll just do Card Cowboy again next week. Um, and in, until next week... Hope you all have a wonderful week and thank you for listening to the short game.